Hello, and welcome to Our Extraordinary Podcast. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And today we're talking about episode 203, Zoe's Extraordinary Dreams, written by Samantha McIntyre and directed by John Terleski. Before we dive in, why don't you read us the episode summary? IMDb says, Zoe's life is affected by a bad dream she can't shake off. Jenna helps Maggie spark her creative nature. We're back to very minimal descriptions. It's true, though. I think, like, I actually think this one <laughs> works pretty well because there really only were these, like, two arcs in yeah. the entire uh, in the entire episode. And, like, the Zoe's half of that does get a little bit more varied, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we do the deep dive. But, yeah, it's really just, like, Zoe's dreams forcing her to confront the reality of her grief or whatever on the one mm-hmm. hand and then like Maggie getting back to work and recovering her creative drive with Jenna's help. But yeah, what did you think about this episode, Danny? I always really love the episodes where Zoe goes a little bit bonkers. <laughs> Jane Levy is just like really good at that. Uh-huh. Uh, did you ever watch Castle Rock on Hulu? No, but um, we did watch there's some other show that I think she was in. Um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but... <laughs> Um, where she also got to be kind of like wacky. Well, she's in the first season of the the Castle Rock show. It's like a it's an anthology, so they're not like connected. Okay. But she's supposed to be related to the main character in The Shining, Jack Torrance. Like her name is Jackie Torrance, and it's based off of Stephen King properties. I definitely recommend it, though. It's not really horror esque either. It's more like suspenseful than anything. But that's besides the point. I love this episode, and we're really finally exploring some of the darker aspects with grief and how it can really come back to bite you when you're not expecting it to. I really hope that we get to see that with other characters in her family, too. And of course, though, I'm sad about the Zomax situation. Yeah, so I definitely can see that, and I agree with a lot of what you said, especially about the Zomax situation. We were texting about this a little bit, and while I like the cohesiveness, this episode is kind of bringing home for me some pacing issues I've been seeing in this season. Zomax came together really quickly after Zoe's dad's death, and like seemingly just as quickly, it's on pause. So it's been a little hard to get a grip on the timing generally. Mm -hmm. Like in the premiere, Zoe had been staying with her mom for three weeks. That's how long it had been since Mitch's funeral. And now we're two weeks past that in, like, real time. Mm -hmm. But in showtime, it's been two months. So I don't know exactly when we skipped forward and particularly whether we missed things in Zoe's and Max's relationship or whether we are just, like, picking up where the last last episode left off. Because his expectations of hers just seemed way bigger than makes sense for me. It makes sense to me for, like, people who've been together for a hot second. I mean, like, I feel like there's a couple different reasons why that that would be i do think that they skipped forward in time especially with it being two months like it had to have been like another like month yeah extra that they've been together which is still like you know not a whole lot of time um but i think it also comes from the fact that they've just known each other for so long so a relationship to them it's like they basically like you know well It's not that crazy for them to have such a developed relationship so early. I'm sure we'll have more to say when we get to that part of the plot, but I think we should we should go into our deep dive and and start with some of the the other parts of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned this earlier, but there really are just two arcs in this episode, though they're both a little bit complex. There's Zoe's dreams and the impact of her grief and lack of sleep on her work life and her relationship with Max. That's like on the one hand. And on the other hand, 
Maggie's return to work and creative life, which is spurred on by Jenna. Mm -hmm. There's bits and pieces here and there, but that's where like the most of the action lives. And I think we should take them in reverse because we're going to have so much to say about um, Zoe's side of this and particularly Zomax, as is evident just by our like our initial reactions. So we'll start with Maggie's arc. And yeah, what did you think of that in this episode? I really just, like, love how much insight we're getting into, like, other characters in Zoe's life, like, her Mm -hmm. family. Like, I feel like in the first season, most things were seen through Zoe's lens. And now it feels like we're following other characters without her being there, like, a little bit more. And, like, I just want her mom to be happy because she deserves that. And I feel like there's a lot that, like, Jenna can learn from her. So I really like that aspect. I also really loved Jenna's song. We'll definitely get to that in Heart Songs. Um, we, we did talk about this a little, we were texting about this episode a lot this week, um, but, uh, the architect she was pitching to was definitely making eyes at her. Uh, it felt, it felt like borderline lascivious to me. (laughs) I have a feeling they're probably going to get together or at least that he's going to pursue her and she'll probably consider it. I mean, they're going to be working together for a while on this project. What did you think of him? I mean, like, something about him, like, irks me, and I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's just the fact that he's clearly some, like, rich, privileged white man, (laughs) and it feels really tropey to me. Um, I do think something will happen there, but I'm still hoping Howie makes another appearance. What what would we call that ship? Would it be Hoggy? Hoggy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, it feels tropey to me. Like, it makes me feel, like... It makes me think of, like, the Gilmore Girls revival and, mm-hmm. like, how Emily moves on, like, really quickly, which just doesn't make any sense. And then, um, God, what other one? There's this Four Weddings and a Funeral oh, reboot yeah. thing that they did on Hulu. And it's, like, a similar situation. Like, this woman is, like, a designer and she just went through, like, it was a breakup, though, but, like, not, like, a grief thing. Um, and then she ends up basically hooking up with the old rich guy that she's working for. Mm. Um, so... I just, I just don't – I don't like that. Like, it, it kind of – I hope she gets upset about it. Like, I don't think she's ready to move on. Like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with people who do move on right away. Like, but I just – that just doesn't feel like Maggie to me. I also feel like there there could be some interesting ways to explore this and, like, let her test out moving on on this guy who is clearly not right for her. Or at least <laughs> – I mean, I don't know if we can say he's clearly not right from her from, like, the two seconds we saw. But who both of us are, like, mm, not so sure. Yeah. But, like, you could have her sort of test it out and maybe, like, get back in the saddle. Is that the expression? But not end up with him. Like, maybe have a I could totally see her, like, testing out the waters and then, like, freaking out. Yeah, I can see that, too. And I think it's good for her. Like, she's going to need to do that exploration. And if you want her to end up with Howie, obviously he can't be her first relationship if that's going to happen. Yeah. This is such a small, silly thing, but when we were watching the episode, we noticed that um, her, like, her proposal for the garden um, the first time... (laughs) It's like a piece of paper that's mostly blank with some very, very light pencil sketchings and, like, some circles to represent bushes. I'm not a landscaper, clearly, but I kind of feel like most landscaping proposals would be a little bit more elaborate than that. Yeah, they definitely usually are more complex. You're trying to sell (laughs) yourself. um, And it's also obvious that they usually are a little bit more complex with the plans (laughs) that she shows later on. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm now remembering that, like, we saw her a little bit of her pitch to, which wasn't landscaping, but was still like garden y, planty, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, with uh, 
Simon and his ex fiance last season. Yeah, and the yeah, wedding. And that was working. Or the close. wedding party. Yeah. 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 There's also the whole Jenna aspect of Maggie's return to work. She's just stepped right into Maggie's life, and so far, so good. I'm not convinced it'll last. It's kind of like you said, like she has a tendency to flake. How do you see it playing out? I feel like it could go one of two ways. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot that Jenna can like learn from Maggie. So either she's going to make some positive changes or she's going to dip. Or it could be a little bit of both. <laughs> there's bound to be a conflict, obviously, but maybe it'll be like a quick falling out and then a quick makeup. What do you think? I think we're going to have to get some more information about Jenna and Emily's parents at some point. Because if there's going to be, I can very easily see, like you said, her learning a lot from Maggie. And I think she already sees Maggie kind of like a mother figure that she didn't have. So we're going to have to have Mm -hmm. something to compare that with to understand why Jenna is the way she is and why Emily is the way she is, right? Like why you have these two such different people. And some of that could be explained just by like sibling shit. But um, especially given that that Emily is the younger one and Jenna is the older thing, like that kind of flips the dynamic of what you expect from um, from like sibling relationships. It's usually the older sibling who like has to be more responsible and like gets all the crap for like not being responsible enough. And then the younger one who gets to be a free spirit. So I feel like there's something else going on in that family dynamic, and I'm I'm really curious about it. I also feel like her approach to helping Maggie is very informed by her time with a life coach. Yeah. <laughs> Though I did really enjoy the free association, especially the first one where she's like, plants, and Maggie's like, friends. <laughs> yeah. I am, like, it is making me wonder, like, um, the Emily and, and Jenna thing, like, I feel like Emily's not very close to the family as she would want to be. Like, even in the first season, Zoe was saying, you know, like, we're not friends. We're not really close. Yeah. Um, like, I don't – she's like, I like her. It's just like, you know, I don't really know her. So it's like I, – I could also see Emily being maybe a little bit salty that Jenna's like, seems closer to, mm. to Maggie than she has been able to – I can definitely see that being a source of tension. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just really curious to see it all play out. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun fireworks. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's most of what I had on Maggie and Jenna. Is there anything you wanted to add before we move to the sort of meat of this with Zoe's dreams and sleep deprivation? I don't think so. Okay. Well, then we'll move on. And I will say the like, just looking at my script, I think I wrote four times as much for this as I did for <laughs> the other arc. The A-plot in this episode is definitely this one about Zoe's dreams. And you had talked previously about the show trying to maybe trying to move her through the five stages of grief. And while we're not getting, like, labels on them, right, it's not that obvious, this definitely feels like we're starting to get into her grief in earnest at this point. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about this arc? Did it resonate with you and with your sort of experiences? Well, I mean, the cool thing about the five stages of grief is they aren't linear mm-hmm. like you don't have to go through them and you can re-go through certain points of it like it's never like That's a, a really good point one and done thing but like personally like it didn't resonate with me um I've definitely had fits of like really bad dreams here and there like reoccurring ones but nothing nothing quite like that obviously it's trying to tell her something um especially since it seems to be her powers are like manifesting in her nightmares at this moment oh, so creepy 
the sleep deprivation thing is really something I completely understand, though. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have a lot of you have a lot of trouble sleeping. I I've noticed that in our five years of friendship. I do, but like mine is has nothing to do with nightmares. Mine is just the fact that I can't fucking fall asleep. Yeah, and then when I do, it's always at the like like inopportune times. <laughs> the dream itself that she had felt really creepy to me, and part of that is the fact that like the house had almost no furniture in it, which is just like inherently creepy so she's trapped there but she's also trapped in there Mm -hmm. completely alone except for like a few isolated artifacts and then you have the variation on it that she gets at the end where she's where she like opens the door and there's another version of herself that she sees Mm -hmm. i feel like i mean there's so many different interpretations that you could have but i feel like her to me her dream struck me as being a little bit about like not knowing who she is now or how to get back to the person she was Mm -hmm. But I was curious to hear if, like, you had any different interpretations. Honestly, I'm not sure. I thought it was really creepy. It felt very, like, horror movie to me. And I think it's something along the lines of, like, you need to listen to yourself. Mm. Or Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, when she opens the door, it's, like, a really pretty, like, put-together version of herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something like, this could be you, but you plan. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I'm just kidding, kind of, like, but I really think she just, like, needs therapy. She does. How does she not have therapy yet? Like, that just seems wild to me that she went through this entire experience of her dad dying. And, like, her whole family did, and none of them have talked to a professional. Well, her family does kind of have this, like, little, like, hippy to ish kind of vibe. Like, if you were, you know, middle you class waspy, at the same time. I think. <laughs> okay, yeah. So... Like, I don't know, like, her mom is pretty free-spirited, it seems like. I mean, there's, like, a Kama Sutra book that they show in the first season on the bookshelf. <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, That's a great catch. <laughs> um, but maybe they're a family that doesn't necessarily believe in therapy, so it might be one of those things where I think there's she needs someone to say something to her about I think it. there's also a lot of people, like, I think there's also a lot of people who, it's not that they don't believe in therapy, but they sort of have all these latent ideas about how therapy is just for people who like there's only certain people who need therapy and you know that's not me right like these sort of like yeah like they're above it yeah like they view have needing therapy as a weakness and I could very much see her like especially Zoe but like all of her family kind of struggling with needing to rely on that kind of help like I can't just sort out my emotions on my own like you look at zoe and to a lesser extent her brother and i like i don't really see this in maggie but we just you know we haven't seen as much of her and they're very driven and ambitious people right it's it's very like go 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 my life is on a you know a train to the moon i don't know this metaphor went a little while a little wild but right like they're they have a track for their lives that they are expecting to follow yeah. Um, he's a lawyer. She is in this tech world. She has like made her way up the ladder pretty quickly. And so I think when you are sort of in a family or in an environment where I wouldn't say you're necessarily trained for that, but where like there is a lot of expectation around a very standard version of success, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like really struggle to see that as compatible with therapy. The other thing is, of course, like being sleep deprived. Lisa is struggling to perform at work. She falls asleep more than once and frustrated in her personal life with Max, who's carrying on as normal because things, well, because things are normal for him, right? Like his life is pretty standard issue at this point. 
On the work front, Simon gives her the good advice that she should maybe delegate a few tasks. But let's just say it it doesn't quite work out (laughs) how she hopes. What did you think of Tobin's programmer jerseys? For one, she probably shouldn't have delegated that to Tobin. Like, that's on her. Um. (laughs) (laughs) She she assumed a little too much maturity from him. (laughs) Yeah, I love Tobin. He's usually just, like, a good laugh. Like, he's clearly, like, there to be that character for the most part. And I kind of thought it was funny because he's like, bro is gender neutral, which is a very California thing. But also, that okay, he was gaslighting them. That's what that was. Oh, I... (laughs) He was, but, like, it just made me laugh because it is a very California thing. They're in California. I call everyone bro, but, you know. But it's a very heinous jersey. Like, I was oh. like, this is so ugly. <laughs> what do you mean? It's just a bat. He's just holding it. It's just, you're seeing things. <laughs> and then he kind of, like, sees it, though. He, mm-hmm. he sees it. He knows. He knows. So ugly, though. And how did you feel about George and the egg bar? I mean, I think eggs are nasty, so... Me too. I don't I really understand what the obsession of that. is with them. <laughs> mm, like, I like eggs in things, I guess. You know, like a, a good breakfast burrito, but, like, I'm never going to be, like, that person that, like, orders something that's just eggs. I like eggs in things, too. <laughs> like, baked into a cake. <laughs> yes. I do like, like, eggs for yeah, breakfast. Yeah. Like, if it's, like, a full plate of breakfast, like, because I'll usually, like, put my, like, bacon in the yolk or something. Yeah. But hard-boiled eggs are... But- Pretty gross. Yeah, and deviled eggs too are fucking nasty. I like deviled eggs okay. Um, we, we actually had a bunch of them around the new year. I also don't like quiche. It's like an egg pie. <laughs> I don't like quiche either or frittatas, but I do like, um, you know, they have, a, like, it's in Spain, um, they they just call it, like, tortilla, but we call it tortilla española because it's like a frittata that has potatoes in it and you have it warm. You don't have it cold like you have quiche sometimes so it's basically just like fried potatoes and eggs together and that's pretty good Hmm. that's basically just like breakfast yeah okay we've maybe talked about eggs too long Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i did find it notable that tobin and george both fail at their tasks and zoe gets pissed at leaf too for letting them play baseball inside a giant office full of glass windows which like what the fuck was he thinking but we didn't hear anything about how Mackenzie got on with the suggestion box and i wonder if that's gonna come up again or if we're just supposed to assume that she unlike her male colleagues is actually competent I do think it's the latter. I think it's just that she's actually competent. I mean, I'm sure they might go back to the suggestion box in that, like, maybe there's some snarky suggestions suggestions for uh, Zoe. Talk over. (laughs) Yeah. Leaf still needs to figure out how to not let the boys be boys, I guess. Yeah. He still has a little too much of, like, I just want us to all be friends and for you to like me. Mm -hmm. Zoe seems to have gone completely the other direction. Also, I did laugh about the Mackenzie being, like, one of the only people who played softball. Oh, yeah. And it made me oh, laugh. Because, yeah. like, all I was like, gay. she's gay. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned to Linda and I was like, gay. <laughs> I pointed at the TV and I said, gay. <laughs> she had that vibe yep, from the definitely. beginning. She really did. Also, I just feel like, I mean, some of it is her... It, I feel like there's a lot of things that, like, give her that vibe. But we do need, we do need a lesbian character. We do. Yeah. So we should turn to Zoe and Max because we have so much to discuss. How do you feel about things getting put on pause for them? I do feel like this aspect was a little bit rushed. Like, it's like one episode later. Like, they were so happy Mm -hmm. one episode ago. So it's like, it feels very just like too soon. But at the same time, like, in my head, I was logically thinking, like, maybe they just 
are kind of rushing things a little bit just in case they end up having to put things on pause again for yeah. COVID and they want to tell as much story as they can when they can. It could be something like that. I mean, I know that the first season kind of jumped around a lot timeline-wise too, actually. It's not as it noticeable did. because of this, but they it was like quite a long period of time. The first season embodies like a good amount of time. Yeah, I feel like it was at least a calendar year, which you don't normally get in TV shows. Like, they're usually... TV shows like this are usually pretty closely hued to, like, one week equals one week formula. Yeah, yeah, which the show doesn't do. Because, I mean, obviously, like, it was at least... I would say at least six months um, of time. Um, But they jump around a a decent amount. So it could be that. But, of course, like, I think it's just, like, this feels really sad to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel really sad for for Max because I just feel like he's been given the ring around so many times yeah. by Zoe that it's just like, I don't know. Like, I do like the way that he handled yes. it. He was very adult about it. And I liked him being like, I think maybe I asked, like, I asked you too soon because I was so excited. But, you know, if we push on this, then it's not going to be good. Yeah. And I mean, like, it just felt like a really adult conversation, which is what I love about this show is it just feels really accurate like I feel like it's a conversation that someone would actually have in real life when facing issues like that I liked that part I didn't love the specific issues that they were having like some of Max's reactions there felt really out of character to me especially because like it can't have been that much time even right like we know we know the time scale from the first episode to this episode is like a month and a week Right. That's how much time there's been. And so (laughs) like they've been together for a few weeks at most at this point. And for him to like have all these really strong expectations of her to be like a super present girlfriend, knowing what she's going through, it just felt a little weird for me. It felt a little off. Um, it didn't feel too out of character hmm. for me. For one, like, he does bring up the Simon with that kind of, like, oh, Simon <laughs> kind of voice. Like, so, I mean, clearly, like, that's still, like, an point. issue for him. Um, that's still something that he's a little bit bruised about. Like, the fact that she even had to make a choice. Like, it's probably something in the back of his head. And, I mean, he even, like, points it out. He's like, you can't hold things against me that, like, I'm subconsciously thinking, you know? Yes, and we should definitely get back to that question. Um, I, I kind of wanted to. I, I put this in. I put this in our heart song section because I do think it's really interesting to talk about the heart song that we didn't get to see. I have a feeling it was the same song. Okay. Well, I'll ask you that explicitly in a few minutes. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll get back to that. But I do think, like, to me, it felt really in character because hmm. he does have these like snap reactions in the first season. To yeah, he can be a little hot headed. That's true. Yeah, he's definitely a tourist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see. We have decided. <laughs> He's definitely the tourist. I do think, like, though, like, yeah, I felt in character, but I, like, I just love how adult the, the conversation was between them. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, that's what he cares about. Yeah. And I, I hope it's true. I think the one thing that made me feel kind of frustrated about this in this episode is that it is sort of coinciding with her... And on a friendship level, but, like, getting close with Simon again, and especially after hearing the rationale for breaking the love triangle early, it's like, that's a good rationale. Adults don't pull this crap. I really just don't want the show to pull this crap. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I do want to, like... You want to explore Simon and Zoe? I want to explore Simon and Zoe, but, like, at the same time, I'm like, I'm tired of the love Mm -hmm. triangle. I think a lot of people are... A lot of the people that I've talked to that love the show love the fact that it's so, like, 
accurate and, like, yeah. real. It feels real. Adult. And, like, they love how adult, like, the conversations are and, like, how the characters are. So I hope that it doesn't go there. I'm hoping that it's just, like, a... I'm hoping that Simon actually wouldn't be okay with it because Simon is now friends with Max. Yeah. So you have, like, that bro code going on, you know? So, like, I'm hoping that he would, even if she tries to because of grief, which she might, he's like, no. Well, or independent of bro code, right? Like, just doesn't want the drama, right? Like, I would hope that he would see this as you're not ready, right? Like, that... One difference between him and Max, which they talk about in this episode, is that, like, Simon does know what she's going through and he knows a little bit what her headspace is like. And so Mm -hmm. whereas Max might jump the gun just because he's excited and, you know, he's not sort of – he doesn't have that part going through his head. Simon, having experienced it, I I think and I hope if Zoe came on to him would be like, I don't think this is what you – want basically when you're like not under the influence of your grief so yeah like you're gonna regret this yeah yeah so just just from a step just from like caring about her and wanting to not involve himself in a situation that seems very volatile and like drama ridden would be like friends we stay friends and it's nice though because we did get the conversation that we were literally just talking about Mm -hmm. in the last episode like are they gonna talk about it and it was pretty much exactly what we'd thought like yeah just like <laughs> max told Simon. a couple episodes faster than we were expecting it to happen <laughs> yeah exactly i do like i love though that simon was just like like i just want you to be yeah. like happy i just want you to be okay yeah. like because that's exactly like just like how i imagine like Simon and he was speak. chill about it i mean i think that was the best part right like is that there was no transition from like of like him ha- taking a moment to be butthurt it was just like <laughs> Yeah, and obviously, like, he wasn't lying about it, or else we would have gotten a heart song. Yeah, So it's like, it was genuine, which I really liked. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of heart songs, you ready to to move to that section of our show? Let's do it. So there were five heart songs in this episode, if you include the one that Zoe sings in her dream, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, a good open question. They were Nowhere to Run, which is, originally, it's a Motown song by Martha and the Vandellas, which Zoe sings in her dream. Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi, which Maggie sings. I'm Only One Call Away by Charlie Puth, sung by Jenna. It's a Hard Knock Life from the musical Annie, <laughs> um, sung by the programmers. That's how I'm going to refer to the coders that don't include the women, since the women were notably absent from that number. And Say Something by A Great Big World, which Max sings. So we'll start with favorites. What heart song struck the biggest chord with you this week, Danny? I mean, like, I was not familiar at all with the first two songs, hmm. um, Nowhere to Run or Someone You Love. Obviously, I know Hard Knock Life. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, I'm actually a huge Charlie Puth fan, so I was really happy to, to hear that song. Um, but my favorite is definitely... I mean, I'm pretty sure you can guess. Well, um, <laughs> I did when I texted you, What's what was your heart song for this week? And you said, guess. <laughs> Just take a wild guess. But, but why don't you say it for our listeners? It's Say Something by Max. For one, like that song, like I just love that song. That song's always struck like a big chord with me because it's kind of like he's using it in like a, a grief aspect. But, like, you could also really use that as, like, a mental health aspect mm-hmm. because, like, a lot of the times, like, if you have, like, depression or anxiety or just, like, something, like, like that in your life, sometimes you will kind of 
suck at being in a relationship. Well, you just get very focused on your own, on like the things that you're going through because they, they take up so much space in your own life and your own brain. Yeah. And, and it's a lot of the times, you know, you'll shut out your partner mm-hmm. from those feelings and it's just like, they just want you to say something, like just talk to me about it. So I've always taken that song in like that aspect, but it was just like so heartbreaking to hear like for one i mean skylar Aston just like fucking catapulted that song into another level um he just there's so much emotion there and like even in the way that he performs it obviously it's yeah. like an adr is like put over it but like just like the emotions in his face yeah. oof, it was just it was heartbreaking like yeah and it was hard and like even like zoe like walking away from him like not wanting to hear it and trying mm-hmm, to shut that mm-hmm. out like i just I just loved that whole scene, the, like, choreography of it. Yeah. It made me feel a lot of feelings. The show definitely brings out the sap in you. <laughs> I know. I just, like, I love that that scene, though. And, like, the, the scene afterwards between the two of them. Yeah. Like, the relationship dynamics and, you know, that power dynamic uh, conversation is brought back yeah, yeah. up. How, like, he can't see where she's at. And then she's like, well, there's nothing going on in my mind. Like, yeah. she's just in this very apathetic part of her grief. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's the type of depression. I mean, it's what depression really is, which is not, like, feeling bad feelings all the time. It's, like, feeling empty and <laughs> nothing. Yeah, feeling empty And, like, you know, he brings up some valid points. Like, they're both right. Like, he shouldn't react a certain way and – and but he also deserves more. Like, that's the thing. It's, like, he shouldn't have to put up with it just because she's grieving. Yeah. And, like, there's just nothing wrong with him wanting to take a break. I I think I read a couple people just, like, being like, oh, he's being, like, an asshole. And I was like, no, no, he's not. He also, I don't think he's he's the only one who wants to take a break, right? Like, I think she does, too. That's why she's bringing it up is because she doesn't feel like she can be there for him. And she doesn't want to destroy this thing that means something to her. Yeah, exactly. Like, they want to put things on hold so that their relationship can still happen. So there's a chance for it. Yeah. I don't know. Did you take it as, like, a breakup or are they, like, legitimately just, like, taking a break? I mean, I don't really know the difference when you've just started a relationship, right? Like... They they haven't really had much of a relationship at all. I I see them as not being together. At the same time, like I don't think Max is gonna go date anybody else anytime soon. And Zoe, if she's smart, is gonna just like focus on herself for a bit. Hopefully. But yeah, I don't think he would try to move on or, or see anyone else. And I think he's still gonna be there for her, like, as much as he like emotionally can. Yeah. Just cause he has been there for for a long time now, <laughs> despite his feelings. So, on a scale of one to ten, how in love are you with Skylar Aston this week? <laughs> Twenty out of ten. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like constantly joking. I'm just like, am I in love with Max or am I in love with Skylar Aston? He also has a habit of playing characters that are very similar yeah, yeah. to him as a person. So. <laughs> well. In contrast to you, I didn't feel like there was one song or one performance that resonated with me more than any of the others this week. Like, I definitely think that was a very emotional performance. Uh But I found, like, I just felt like there was a lot of balance, right? There wasn't one thing that kind of summed everything up uh, or, like, brought it all together for me in that same way. 
But I was really fascinated by Zoe's song, mostly because it's such an interesting cover. And I, I mentioned this before, but like it was a Motown song. Would you have guessed that from listening to it? No, definitely not. It felt like a like a old school like classic rock song or something. It's so it's from 1965, and I actually thought it might be interesting to sort of play them side by side here because they're so different. The words are the same, and obviously, like there's a little bit of that darkness in each since they didn't change that, but they they changed the harmonies a lot from the original, and I think it gives it a, a pretty different feel. So. Here, I'm going to play the uh, clip from the original for you so you can hear what I mean. Oh, I have heard this song. Yeah, I was like, I've definitely heard this song. <laughs> I think it is because they sound so different. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. And like compare that with the version we got in the show this week, which is slower, darker, grittier. Very different. Is there, like, any other versions of it that they, like, took from? Like, maybe there's, like, a rock version from, like, the 80s or something? It felt, like, really 80s to me. I didn't see anything about that, but I also did, like, I didn't look too hard. But I do think, I thought I would sort of share some of the background on this song. So Lanier was just, like, Googling around. So not real research. But he told me, <laughs> he found that it was it was in the movie Good Morning Vietnam, the one with Robin Williams, um, which is about the Vietnam War. Okay. And about, like, the sort of American radio that they, this was, like, a thing from during the Cold War where, like, the U.S. would play music and radio from the U.S. in communist countries to try to, like, win the culture war. So this was apparently a big hit with American soldiers who were in Vietnam during the war. And it was one of those songs that played like over and over and over again on the mm. radio that was like ported in from America. And the lyrics don't fully reflect this. Like it's, it's clearly not just like straight a story song. But the person who wrote it, it was inspired by um, one of her relationships that she had with a soldier who was being shipped off to Vietnam. Yeah. And so like right before he got shipped out, he told her he didn't think he'd be coming back. And then he died a couple months later. Aww. So I think you like, even in the original that is super poppy, I think you get a little bit of that haunted vibe, right? Like she, it's not that she's trying to escape the, the relationship. It's that that like the thing that's looming over is this like specter of death. So it's very much kind of like a grieving song. Yeah, it is. So that makes sense. Which I never, like, I'd heard the song before, but, like, I never, I never would have guessed that from the original without, like, looking into it like this. And I just thought it was so interesting. Like, we looked into it because it was such an interesting cover and so different. Yeah. 
what did you think of this of the song and and of Jane Levy's performance in this of it in this episode? I feel like that that had to have been really tough for her. Like, I mean, she's completely. I mean, obviously, she's not actually completely alone when she performs this scene, but like, just that emptiness, yeah. like. It had to have been probably really raw for her. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a very physically demanding performance, too. Like, the dance in it. Oh, absolutely. The choreography looked <laughs> looked physically demanding from my outside. And there was a lot of it. Because, like, I mean, she has the dream, like, three separate times and they're different like it's not like they're just doing the same thing yeah and i can't remember did she did she go downstairs in one of them Mm -hmm. right so like that just takes a lot of control too to be able to like do that kind of dance on a staircase yeah anyway i just i feel like i could talk about this one song forever Mm -hmm. just because it is like it is such an interesting performance and it's such an interesting cover but we have, I think, three more left to get to. So if you're okay with it, we'll move on. Mm-hmm. So the next one is the the number that Maggie sings, Someone You Loved, which I, I wasn't familiar with either. What did you think of it? She has a, such a lovely voice. Mary Steenberger. Bergen. Yeah. yeah. So it always feels like a treat whenever she does get to sing for us in the way that she moves around. Like, she's very, like floats along you and she dances i don't know i really liked it it was really sad to hear mm-hmm. like i don't know like it's not quite as like grief ridden i feel like as some of zoe's numbers but like this one still is like pretty hard especially because yeah. like it comes after like the conversation where zoe's trying to tell her like i should move back home and but she decides not to because clearly seeing how hurt her mom actually is still. yeah i feel like maggie is a character right like she is very accepting of things. I put it in air quotes for people who cannot see because they are not on the Zoom call with us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, she is very accepting of things, but it, it's not like she likes them, right? Like, she's still going through grief. She's just like, I guess this is my lot in life. Mm-hmm. And like you, I really like when, when Mary Steenbergen sings. She has a really beautiful voice, and also it feels a little bit less polished, which I think is... I think it's partly due to her age, but I also think they're sort of leaning into that in the way that she performs to give it a a type of emotionality that's different from what we're seeing from the other actors. Mm -hmm. Like the the shakiness of her voice sometimes, it adds this sincerity and gravitas to her performances that, I I don't know, I just, I I find it very compelling. Yeah. It actually, like, um, her kind of lack of control in this episode... Mm -hmm. Um, and feeling a little, a little bit lost kind of reminds me of the episode in season one where she freaks out on those girls over the lemonade and like oh, yeah. finally uh, admits to like needing help and and having her kids help her out with yeah yeah with her dad yeah it's like that in her in her heart songs in the way that she sings them she can't hide the things that are under the surface the way that she would be want to do in her re- the rest of her life yeah. So that's that's Maggie's number. And then, of course, there's Jenna's number, which is just, oh, it's so hilarious. Like, the earnestness on her face when she was performing, it just had a very, like, just how open her face was. There was this very, like, please pick me, please, please, please vibe. And I loved how Zoe's like, nope, we're done. Like, I just, I love when she has those moments anyway, when she's like, no, no more heart songs, done with this bullshit, in the middle and has to, like, save face. Yeah. So what did you think of this number? What did you think of of Jenna, her first performance? 
I liked it. Uh, I think she had a really nice singing voice. I really like this song. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting choice considering it is a love song. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. But I do also like how you said like Zoe just kind of like was like, nope, we're done. Just like she did to, to George in the first episode. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're going like, like, to like hearing this. get more of those moments now because she's sort of dealing with so much and feeling so overwhelmed. I feel like it. I mean, she's already had quite a few, like, kind of, like, outbursts. Yeah. yeah. More than she, she had before, so. So that brings us back to the the thing that's not technically a heart song, but the, the moment when Max sees her zone out and she admits that he might have sung something to her but, like, won't talk to him about it. And you were saying earlier that you think he was probably just singing Say Something again. It was just before we got to see it. That's what I was thinking. And you think that's just because, like, he's having, like, it's the same general feeling for him? Yeah. I mean, the only thing that, like, I feel like would be a little bit harder to believe if that was the song he sang the first time was, like, the whole, like, I'm giving up on you thing. Like, I feel like that's a little early for that. It makes more sense when he sings it later. But maybe it was, like, a similar song. Like, like, you need to, like, open up to me. But, like, if I felt like it might be the same one. But It did make me wonder if we're also going to find more moments where, like, or what the volume is on heart songs. Because we obviously see, like, we're seeing things from Zoe's perspective most of the time. That was one of the few moments where we really did get out of her perspective, right? Like, we only see it from his point of view. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting, as you were saying, like, this season is opening up to more perspectives. Does that mean we're going to have more moments where we're not aware of what she's seeing or experiencing from other people? I don't know if there will be too many more moments. I do think it's, like, because Max, like, knows about mm-hmm. her power, so, like, they can use it in that way. I feel like it would be a little hard for them to do it for, like, the characters I don't know. It could be interesting if that's, like, we- we've talked before about, like, is Simon going to find out about the heart songs? That would be a kind of interesting way for him to find out. I, yeah, I have a feeling, like, she's going to have to tell him at some point. Like, yeah. Because he's, he's probably going to be there for her a little bit more now that she's mm-hmm. not with Max, and she's definitely going to need someone to talk to. I can also see that being a thing that makes him feel really betrayed, right? Because, as you were saying, like, she used so much of her inside knowledge of him to form this friendship and relationship early on. I feel like he'll feel really betrayed, but I don't think he would, like, just not talk to her the kind of, like, the way that Max handled it. (laughs) He'd just be like, that's really fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, still ultimately be there for her because, like, I don't think he would, like, leave her on the side of the road to deal with herself. Yeah. Okay, so the last song we have to discuss is the big comedy number, the programmers singing A Hard Knock Life from Annie. I cracked up (laughs) when they started this. Just, like, the looks of disgust on their faces, George pulling his jersey over his head in that one. It was just, like, so perfect and hilarious. And you were saying... You were saying that it was like a close second to say something for you, which I think is really funny. And, like, saying something, no pun intended... Because, like, they are such different songs, and Say Something is all about heart, and this is just all for the lols. I mean, I, I love the lols there. <laughs> uh, it's it's just, like, when I heard it, I was like, shut the fuck up. You guys have nothing to complain about. So it just made me laugh. Yeah, like... Because it's like, they're all feeling so, like, defeated because their bros got sent to another level. Like, I'm just like, shut up. But they're a up. bunch of, like, highly paid, very privileged... <laughs> dudes exactly <laughs> and I, exactly i did find it very notable that none of the women were in that performance like uh, Mackenzie is there half a second before and she just like ducks out of the heart song leaves a lot unsaid or perhaps unsung 
I feel like it's just because it is just them throwing a fit um, yeah. on that they don't need to be throwing or obviously like the women don't have anything to throw a fit about yet. Yeah. But it just, oh God, it just made me laugh. And they just like, they sang it so well. Yeah. And I just, I actually just like always loved like the workplace like numbers, yeah, yeah. the way that they incorporate like, um, like. The furniture and things into the performances always always cracks me up. I also feel like they're saving. And they're always something that she's like, no, 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 <laughs> whenever it's happening. <laughs> I also feel like they're they're really – like part of the reason they ducked out, I, I feel, I feel like the real behind-the-scenes reason is because they're saving it for Mackenzie to have um, a number of her own, probably in the next episode. Like she needs to have a real heart song. yeah. I'm sure the women will have their own heart song, too. It'll probably be kind of reminiscent to, like, the one with Joan and, like, the... Ooh, what if they do Respect? What if they do Aretha Franklin Respect? I could see that being... I could see that. I could see that. Could be fun. Yeah, I could definitely see that. (laughs) All right, well, either way, whatever it is, something to look forward to. Yes. So that's everything I had for heart songs. Do you have anything you want to add before we move to final thoughts? No, I don't think so. Cool. So I'll, I'll go first this time because I made you go first last time. I have mentioned most of these things already, but just to recap, like I felt like it was a really cohesive episode. There's only really one or two arcs happening and very tightly plotted and well executed. And I think if it were a standalone episode, I would just like I would just think, oh, this is great. Like, I love it. But I think because especially like in Max and Zoe's arc. It, it sort of made me start realizing the sort of feeling of of rushedness. Mm-hmm. in this season and particularly in their relationship it just it like it didn't that didn't land for me as well because I'm like I just I, I I would like for us to 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 give this the time that it deserves um and to map it out and it also made me nervous like I said about like Austin Winsberg saying that they resolve the love triangle so quickly I loved that explanation and it just made me worried that it's like bs which I would find really disappointing because I like that explanation. I think it's smart. And like the people you've been talking to, I don't want to see them like lean into a love triangle when like every other fucking show on TV does it. Yeah, I really hope they don't too. Like, I mean, like at this moment, I still have some high hopes that like that's not what they're going to do. Like, I feel like they're just going to maybe show how good a friend Simon and um, Zoe can be without romantic like feelings there. And, um, also, like, you know, like, it was a very, like, mature decision between the two of them. So, like, I feel like if they kind of, like, had her act out, it would kind of make that, like, non-existent. So, like, I feel like they're just plotting it into a way to be, like, okay, like, we're gonna make Zoe and Max, like, work really long-term, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah, and that is sort of related to something I was thinking, is that when things start to feel rushed in a show, it's usually either because the show... Usually I feel like it's because the show knows where it's going and either doesn't have adequate time to get there. And you mentioned, you sort of mentioned this around like the COVID stuff. Like if they're afraid they might have to stop filming again, they're like packing things in. Or they're just really excited about, which I relate to because (laughs) as anyone who has ever walked anywhere with me knows, when I get close to where I'm supposed to be going, I just like speed up out of there (laughs) at the end. Yeah. As a standalone episode, I liked this. I just felt, it felt more like an episode five or six of a season than it did as like episode three. So those are my final thoughts. What are yours, Danny? That's what's crazy. You just pointed out that it's only the third episode and I'm like, fuck, you're right. It's only the third episode. episode. It seems like it would be like the fifth. 
<laughs> um, yeah, it does feel like it should be like the fifth. Um, I feel like they could have also like sped things up because um, I know I'm, I feel like that's something that people like our age also have done and are guilty of is is jumping into a relationship mm. that they're not quite ready for and. Like, I've definitely been there. And so they did the smart and adult thing of putting it on pause. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. For the time being. Like, I feel like they're making the smart choice. Okay. So outside of just that Zomax, though, like, what are your final... What's your summary, final thoughts of this episode? Just that I loved it. And I I love the episodes where they're just so good at kind of combining yeah. the... The grief and the darkness with the humor. Yeah. I like that's always like my that's my shit. Um, so <laughs> it's it's your I, dark I really sense like of humor. Episode, so. Yep. Um so I'm I'm excited. I'm still excited. Me too. For the rest of the season. It does make me I think it feeling rushed coincidental or ironically it makes me feel more impatient to figure out where they're trying to get us to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. So I, I think that's everything that we have for this episode. Listeners, thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Slap a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help other people find our show. Thanks to everyone this week who did that. We've got, like, our first five ratings, and that was very exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Five, we've got five five-star ratings as of yesterday. I haven't looked today. Um, so, yeah, keep doing it. Makes us love you all the more. And we'll see you next week for episode 204. Bye. Bye. No way.